Hi, Ruben. Hi, Teddy. What's going on this week? Chinese New Year just happened in the third day now. Yeah, and, and we have there's Valentine's Day. Yeah, in a couple of days, and um, and then the rest of February. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's around Valentine's Day, but twenty years ago. It's 2004, and it's not just Valentine's Day. It's, it always happens around the same time. It's also about a week before Chinese New Year mm. or Lunar New Year. And in China, this is a big deal. It's a massive thing in China. People will travel back to their hometowns, back to their provinces. Like literally, the month before Chinese New Year and during Chinese New Year, like Lunar New Year, the airfare. Will double, triple, and honestly, you can just assume that the whole country is on break for like a week or two. Nothing will happen. Yeah, yeah. pretty long. They go off like two weeks. Everything shuts down. Yeah, and so this period is not just a time for romance. It's for celebration and relaxing with family. And students will actually cross. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. What's the country? Leave their dorms and return home. And if you're in a serious relationship, you'll introduce your partner to your parents. And so everybody is optimistic. But in two thousand and four, there is a mass murderer and a manhunt between Valentine's Day and before the Chinese New Year, before the Lunar New Year. Four people in Yunnan University will be dead. Hi, I'm Teddy, and I'm Ruben. And welcome to a briefcase. Today we are covering the collegiate killer. We are covering the case of Ma Tiajie. For the longest period of time, there were there were very few ways to get out of poverty, to rise above the life that you were given, and one of the few ways was by education. So, for example, in ancient China, you could take the imperial civil service examinations and get a high-paying civil service job, and then you could climb the ranks from there. And till today, one of the most common inspirational stories that we hear is that of young people. Who work hard, who study hard, who become the pride of their community, and young people whose families give up their life savings, whose communities pull together just so they can send them to achieve greater things. And Majajure was one of those people. He was born in May 1981 in a farming village in a remote part of the Guangxi Zhuang Autonomous Region of China. And it's said that he started to show a lot of academic talent in about fourth grade, like I'm guessing like P four. And his parents and his teachers noticed that he was very gifted, so they started focusing like a bit more attention on him, which is a good thing. And he responded well to this attention, and he did very well in school. And in Pinchou Middle School, he studied hard and finally became the top student in his class. And he even won a second prize in a national physics competition. 
Now, even though he's doing very well, the pressure starts getting to him. It's said that even at home, even with his family, he was very quiet, he was a bit of a loner, and it's said that when he was outside, when he was around other students, he was very much an introvert and he was very much a bookworm. Like most serial killers. <laughs> no, stop it. Just because you're an introvert doesn't mean you're a serial killer. And in 1997, he joins Binyang Middle School for senior to high school. Um, but he, he stopped studying as hard. Now, one of his former roommates, his former classmates, because I think in high school, they might have a boarding sort of situation, okay. actually said that he was addicted to reading kung fu no- novels at that point of time. Like, he wouldn't hang out with his classmates, but he would read, like, his kung fu novels. And so he apparently also had a little bit of an inferiority complex because his family was poor. And then that just made him like more and more lonely. And his academic performance, what he was previously known for, actually started to decline. And in November 1999, before the college entrance examination, which I guess is the equivalent of the A-levels or the SATs or whatever, and in China, it's called Gaokao, so college entrance exam, he runs away. And it said that he was very panicked, he was very afraid of failing his exams. He, he would rather run away than go take the exam and suck at it. And he ended up running to a city called Guigang, which was around 50 kilometers away from the school. And he tells the police that the reason why he went to that specific city is because he thought that it was a seaside city and he had never seen the sea before, which was a very sad thing. And the reason why he thought that was because the name of the city, when translated to English directly, means seaport. But I guess not. <laughs> well, anyway, he didn't really have to worry about his gaokao because in the end, he rebounded real hard. And he ended up scoring 697 for his gaokao. And so for a little bit of perspective, okay, based on Google, the mm. top score that you can get for gaokao is about 750 to get into a reasonably good university is expected that you need about 600. And he got like a solid 697. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. So for like Beijing U, you probably need to get a full score of like 750. So like, I, I'm assuming that's like all A's, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then at an extremely good university like Tsinghua, you need around 676, which is like less than what he had. So... I'm sure it takes into account things like your extra curriculars, maybe your entrance essay. But like, if you're looking at just overall ranking for like the minimum needed to apply to a good uni, we can say that Ma Jia did really well with like a 697. He would have gotten into most universities. Now, the unfortunate reality is that even with these scores, with his family background, he probably wouldn't have been able to afford the university fees or like the cost of living in a bigger city like Beijing. So he ended up applying to a university near his hometown and specifically because this uni had a lower, more affordable tuition. And he goes to Yunnan University to study biochemistry. So his dad ends up giving him the family life savings, which is around 6,000 yuan, which is about 725 USD or about 1,000 Singapore dollars or so. And again, because of finances, he has to leave for university a bit earlier because he has to take like the cheaper buses, take a longer route. 
And it's it's also said that depending on the source, on this bus he meets his first friend, Xiao Ridie, and apparently he was from the same area as Ma Jiajie. And we don't know what he studied, but we assume it's something similar because they had classes together. Because one of the articles I read describes Ma Jiajie's first day in school, and it said that on the first day of class, he walked to the back of his class. You know, like he sits in the back.、Mm-hmm. But Shaoreja, he actually pulls him to a seat. He's like, "Come here," and he makes him sit under the fan in the classroom, which is like actually a really good seat, I, I suppose. Wait, why did he do that? Because because to him they are bros, you know. Like, come sit next to me, bro. So they just met. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> first friend. Okay. Okay, so the classroom slowly fills up, and everybody chooses their seats. But in the end, nobody sit next sits next to him until the last student comes into class. So like the last student didn't have any choice except to sit next to him. The student sits next to him, but doesn't actually introduce himself to Ma Jiajie. And in the end, Xiao Ruijie, his frenemy that he met on the bus, actually introduces himself, and he says something like, "Hey, I'm Xiao Ruijie, and this is Ma Jiajie. What's your name?" And the kid says, "My name is Gong Po." So it's like G O N G B O. So maybe like Gong Po,、mm. and so Xiao Ruijie and Ma Jiajie and Gong Po they end up hanging out. And depending on the source you're looking at, it said that their relationship was a little bit more complex, with Gong Po being closer to Xiao Ruijie, but not so close to Ma Jiajie.、Sure. But Ma Jiajie was also close to Xiao Ruijie. But it's also said that Ma Jiajie and Xiao Ruijie's relationship wasn't like. A pure friendship. It was like way more of a frenemy kind of thing going on, and it also says that Ma Jiajie and Xiao Ruijie they ended up being roommates in either room three hundred and seventeen or three hundred and sixteen of their dorm. It's also said that Gong Po was like a neighbor in the same kind of student dorm situation, and at university his personality changed a little bit. He ended up getting interested in basketball and cards, like. Like playing cards, and it said that he would host card games in his dorm room. But because his family had financial issues, whenever he had free time, he also worked part-time jobs as well. It's also said that during this time, he had a bit of a complex because his family was a lot poorer than many of his classmates. He had low self-esteem. He wasn't interested in girls, or maybe he just thought that he didn't really have a chance. Could be. So I guess this also kind of strained his relationship with Gong Po and Xiao Ruijie and the other students, because it said that he had a bit of a temper and would sometimes pick fights. So nothing too major, just like regular young people in their early twenties trying to figure out who they are, trying to figure out life, kind of thing. And so from what I understand, another incident that happened is that. Ma Jiajie ends up in a fight during a basketball game, and we don't know if he was the one who started the fight, or、uh, we don't know if he was innocent and just got pulled in. But he he ended up in the fight, and when that happened, Gong Po rushed in to try to defuse the situation, and Xiao Ruijie just like kind of took Ma Jiajie and left. And afterwards, Ma Jiajie was like, "Oh my God, why didn't you help me?" And his friends were like,、um, "You are cussing somebody out. What do you want me and Kong Po to do?" And so he kind of felt betrayed about this whole incident, and then he walked away. And then things were really like awkward, you know. And after that, he actually ends up falling sick. But remember that Xiao Ruijie was his roommate. 
So he ends up asking the other neighbor in the dorm room, Lin Feng, for help. And he was never really very close to Lin Feng, but they kind of hung out. But Lin Feng was like a nice person who helped him out when he was sick and brought him food and medicine and kept him up to date with his coursework. And after a couple of days, he kind of recovered. But I guess he also didn't want to fight with his roommates anymore, you know? Because if they were in the same courses, if they lived in the same dorm, it's awkward. And to some people, what is extremely surprising is that he was the one who reached out. And I guess maybe he felt that Shao Rijue and Gong Po were like embarrassed, right? And they felt a little bit bad that they didn't even help him when he was sick. And this other person that that one even close to them had to like help him. Matiatra actually said, oh, that's okay. It's water under the bridge. And then now we fast forward to the last year of university. Now, this period of time was like interesting. It was a bit after winter break, but before Chinese New Year. So it's like one of those nothing weeks, you know? Like between Christmas and Chinese New Year in Singapore. And in 2004... Chinese New Year would have been around the 22nd or 23rd of February. One night, based on the timeline, this could have been anywhere like in early February. Ma Jia he's playing cards with Xiao Rui and I guess maybe some other friends. And then during this card game, he was having a streak of good luck, you know, like when you win every round. Xiao Rui he wasn't doing too well. And you can tell he was feeling like a bit betty. Because he actually turns to Ma Jia and he says something like, All cheating and playing cards. No wonder Gong Po didn't invite you to his birthday. Saying that Gong Po had a birthday party event and didn't invite him, implying that they weren't actually friends or he was like lame. Oh, that's quite a dick thing to say. Right? So, yeah. so imagine if everybody knew that he had this birthday party and he was just not invited. Maybe because like he wouldn't give a gift or money or whatever. It, it's just like a shitty thing to do. Mm. And so he was really triggered. And apparently, like Kong Po, who wasn't even at this at this thing, he finds out about the incident. He even told Xiao Rejie that like, oh bro, I think you said a bit too much. And like, I think that when he didn't invite him to his birthday party, he thought that it would be better if this was like a low key thing. Do you know what I mean? Right, yeah. That with Matia Dress personality, it would be it, it was very difficult. It was already very difficult to be friends. So why why do you go and stir shit some more? So now remember this period of time was very close to Chinese New Year. The school starts emptying out and students start going home. And soon there were just a couple of students left. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. It is said that Ma Jia Jia looked for a weapon. And it is speculation, but it's said that the weapon was a hammer 
and it was hidden in a firebox on the dormitory floor. So it could have been anything else like a mallet, but we do know that it was some sort of blunt object. Wouldn't the firebox just have a hammer in it (laughs) to break glass? I mean, yeah, but like, you know, he bought a different hammer. So maybe that he had like two hammers. And also, if you use your hammer, if you use the firebox hammer for murdering, you can't use it for fireproofing anymore. Just put it back in the box. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It is also said that he bought black plastic bags, which would not have been in the firebox, okay? And he bought a fake ID card because he was planning, because it seems that he was planning to go on the run after doing this. And this, it, it does seem very premediated for you to buy a hammer and a black plastic bags. And given that he had been friends with Shao Rejie and Gong Bo and everybody else for some time, Ma Jie was very familiar with their lifestyle and very familiar with their schedule. So we fast forward to 13th of February 2004 and the whole timeline of this is extremely messy and varies based on where you're looking at and definitely if you have a clearer timeline, please feel free to comment. And again, I'm not sure how this whole Chinese dorm situation works but it seems that there were three people in the room. Ma Jia Jie, Xiao Rui Jie and just another random student, Tang Xue Li. Mm. So imagine like a three-bedroom dorm. Okay. On that day... Tang Trelli, he just happens to be in the room. And Ma Jia Jie can't very well kill Xiao Rui Jie when Shirley's in the room, right? Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's going to kill anybody. He kill, kill, kill both of them. <laughs> so he kills Tang Shirley just just because he happens to be in the room at the same time, which is... Oh, so you, I was right. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's a bit, a bit fucked up. But okay, after that, after he kills Tang Shirley... Later that night, Shao his frenemy, gets back into the room. And so it's said that Ma Jie covered his head with the black plastic bag and then bludgeons him as well. And then after that, he goes back to sleep with, with just the two bodies in his dorm room. And the next morning, he gets up and he has to clean the blood because, you know, bludgeoning people is like messy work. For the past couple of years in uni, we know that Ma Chia has been playing cards with everybody. He's been hosting these games. And so he becomes known as the dude that you go to if you want to play cards in the dorm, you know, like the, the gaming dude. And while he's cleaning the blood from his bedroom walls, the, dorm, the dorm's bedroom walls, in walks in another completely unrelated person. Who is coming to play cards in the morning? <laughs> what kind of degenerate life is this? No, because it's a nothing week, you know what I mean? Like, how can you study between, like, New Year when everybody is going home already? Okay. So, in walks in Yang Kai Hong, and he maybe was trying to find Ma Jia Jie or Xiao Rui Jie or Tang Shirley, any of any of the three boys who live to play cards. And then he sees the entire scene. He sees the blood and the bodies and everything. And then so Ma Jia Jie kills him as well because, you know, you can't have a witness to the crime. Is this really a serial killing then? He just killed, happened to kill people who's walking in. No, so <laughs> it's, like... it's like a mass murderer because it's like a serial killing. You have to have like a cool down period. Yeah, so he's not really a serial killer, I guess. He just no, no. We call him the collegiate killer. We didn't, we didn't call him a serial. I sure have. I remember at the start of this episode, you Co- said there was a serial killer on the loose. Mass murderer, mass murderer. We said mass murderer. <laughs> Let's check the tapes, guys. <laughs> okay, so anyway, now he's a triple murderer. When actually he only wanted to kill one person out of the three. Okay, so like one guy, he had to kill because he shared a room with the dude. The other guy just walked in. Uh, yeah. Okay, but I think maybe after having to 
kill Yang Kai Hong. He he locked the door or something. So this day, I think this would have been Valentine's Day already, because like the first murder was on on the thirteenth. So this would have been the fourteenth. And this time it's Lin Feng. Remember the other student that helped Matia Jai when he was sick and like awkward with his OG group of friends. Mm-hmm. And we don't know whether this was an intentional choice or not. Or maybe this time he just he didn't want to kill another person who wasn't on his list. But Matia Jai chooses not to open the door and Lin Feng leaves and then he survives the massacre. Mm. Yeah. I think it might have been partially intentional. You know, you don't want to kill somebody who helped you while you are sick. No, but I assume that the first guy just walked in. Oh, yeah. The second guy, he had a choice. He learned from his first mistake. <laughs> he closed the he door. He closed the door. <laughs> or locked the door. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. So, now the other person on Matia Jerez's list was Kong Po. And I think it doesn't seem like he really intended to kill Tang Shelly or Yang Kai Hong. You know what I mean? I think he only had two people on his list would have, who would have been Kong Po well, and Shao I'm sure he, he definitely intended to kill the... The roommate, because he killed the roommate before he killed the other dude, right? Yeah. Before the other dude even was in the room. So he definitely intended to kill him. No, but I think if the roommate didn't show up, like if the roommate like went home or something, he wouldn't have bothered, you know? It wasn't like a, it, it was a means to an end. It wasn't like a, no, oh, I could have gone and killed the other dude anywhere else, right? <laughs> <laughs> the guy wasn't even in the room yet. <laughs> he was somewhere else and then he killed this first dude and waited for the other guy to come back. I mean, fair. So anyway... Now now he has three kills. Now we know he wanted to kill Shaoritra for like a couple of reasons. For not having his back during the fight at the basketball game, for making fun of him, for accusing him at cheating at a card game, for making fun of him for not being invited to a birthday party. And I guess maybe he wanted to kill Kong Po because, again, the basketball thing and for not inviting him to a birthday party. And basically, he also thought that both of them talk trash about him, you know? Mm, yeah. Which is, I mean, fair. Fair. But like, you know, not fair to kill, but like a fair assumption that both of them probably did, you know, trash talk him a bit. And so, he invites Kong Po to play cards. He's like, bro, do you want to come over to play cards? And he thinks, and Kong Po, he thinks everything is okay, you know? Because like, he already said water on the bridge, right? Mm-hmm. And so when... Ma Jia Jie meets Kung Po, he does the same thing. He bludgeons him, kills him, and then he stuffs him into the bedroom closet along with the three other bodies, and then he's done. He's done with his murder. This is on the same day. So it said that the murders happened between the 13th and the 15th of February. Right. So I'm guessing this is maybe like, since it's the last murder, maybe it's the 15th at this so point. So like the body's just decomposing. But nobody is around, remember? Nobody is around because he's Chinese. He's staying in the room. (laughs) (laughs) You're living in the room. Yeah. No, but he's running away already. Okay. Yeah, okay. So the first person to notice anything, right, was actually Tang Shirley's girlfriend, the third roommate. It's a random dude. Him and his girlfriend, they spoke almost every day, right? Like, they texted every day. And suddenly, radio silence. And so she felt there was something going on. She gets into contact with one of Tang Shirley's other friends, and together, they realised that he wasn't the only one missing. They realised that Tang Shirley and Xiao Rejie and Gong Po and Yang Kai Hong, they've, they've all been off the grid for a while. Nobody has seen or talked or chatted with them. And I mean, Shouldn't somebody have noticed this much earlier than, than so late? Three people that um, have families and stuff disappeared. 
I was nobody realizing that they're not there. No, but it's such a chaotic days. time. So the family would have assumed that they were on the way back from school or like maybe they, they didn't make it back from school but because they had take, stuff. It takes days to get back from... I don't know how okay, China's quite big. But surely yeah. this is 2004, the planes yeah. and stuff. No, but they, w- they would have taken buses because remember they first met on a bus. Oh. Yeah. And maybe maybe that rural part of China doesn't have planes. Maybe it's not serviced. Their classmates, anyone who would have still been left in the dorms, might have assumed that they went home already because everybody's going home. Mm. So it's just a very chaotic time. At the same time, in the student dorm, there was just one person staying over Chinese New Year break. And this student is referred to with a pseudonym. I think this student's name is called Meow, which is funny because it, it it's like Cat Meow. As in, that's the pseudonym. The, their pseudonym that ah, they're okay. referred to in Chinese articles. Mm. And so for the first few days or something, Mao maybe because they they didn't have family to go back to, or maybe they had a lot of research work or whatever, whatever. The, this student is just staying in the dorm, right? And then he smells a weird smell. And at first he was like, ah, shucks, somebody forgot to throw their trash before they left. Or maybe somebody left a window open and something had crawled inside and died. But he's just like, okay, whatever, not my problem. But then, by the 10th day, alright, and it would have been already, like, really quite ratchet because at that point of time, it would have been winter and smells don't really travel that far. But by the 10th day, it had gone from, like, a tiny smelly smell to a full-on, like, invasion of his nostrils. And so, Meow, he calls school security and they investigate and they search the dorms and they try to find the source of the smell. And then they eventually find the bedroom closet and they find the bodies. Mm, All right? Yeah. And so this would have been in Shaori Jue and Ma Jia Jue's room. And so they initially, they thought that Ma Jia Jue would have been a, might have been a victim of this crime as well. But then they realized that his body isn't there and that he was probably the perpetrator of the crime, that he was probably the murderer. And they also found that somebody emptied out the bank accounts of one of the victims and it was probably him who did it. Oh, that's, how, how did he do that? I don't know, maybe they weren't like super, you know, secure back then. Right. So there's the police, they start a city-wide manhunt and the police, they use his college ID photo to create the wanted posters. And they start with a 150,000 yuan reward, which would have been about 21,000 US dollars, or maybe closer to like 30,000 Singapore dollars. Eventually, they increase the reward to maybe 200 yuan and then 400,000 yuan. Um, And 400,000 yuan would have been a hell of money. So back in 2004, that would have been around 56,000 USD or 75,000 Singapore dollars. But this is only in certain sources. And so rumors started spreading about Ma Jia Jia as well, because he was, he was interested in martial arts, remember? He, he liked his Kung Fu comics. Because of the murders, the Kung Fu novels, and his farming background, people said that he would never be, be caught. People said that Ma Jia Jia would be able to disappear into the rural areas and live off the land. But actually, in total, he was on the run for about 21 days, which actually isn't that much. It's like three weeks. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's so long. And on 15th March 2004, he was captured in an area in South China, about 900 kilometers away from his university, from the scene of the crime, and it was reported that he confessed. On 25th April 2004, just two months after the murder, he was sentenced to death, and on 17th June, he was executed. Until today, 
This remains as one of the most talked about true crime cases to happen in China. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> students. I mean, 14th Valentine's Day and Chinese New Year and four students shoved into the closet. Mm. And the fact that everyone was so young and that Ma Jia himself, he was actually so full of potential. And then, you know, like the adults will be like, oh my God, it's wasted potential. And it really shook the nation that somebody was willing to give all of that up, you know? Mm-hmm. And this happening also brought up the discourse on the amount of pressure and the state of mental health resources in universities in China. Because, you know, even now we hear about how high pressure the Chinese school system is and how stressful it is to get into a Chinese university and when how, how stressful it is to work and find a job and to maintain your grades. And not saying that pressure on young people isn't similar in other places and in other countries, but I think there's also a cultural aspect of it to that. I hope everybody is having a nice little break. Like I said, I feel like the period between Christmas and Chinese New Year is just like a, a nothing period. But then, you know, clearly the professional world does not seem to think the same day. If I had it my way, I think that January should have just been like National Leave Day. (laughs) I hope you are all having a good Chinese New Year and that your relatives are not asking too invasive, stupid questions. I know that I have an auntie that will look at me and then call me fat again, but this time I have my retaliation prepared. I'm going to tell her that she looks really old and ask her if she's heard of this modern invention called Botox. (laughs) I also hope that everyone has a nice and peaceful Valentine's Day. Do not worry if you do not have a Valentine's. I will be your Valentine's. This is also a gentle reminder to Ruben that Valentine's Day is in two days. Is it? Oh, no, I didn't realize. (laughs) Now, if you have any interesting cases from your Asian country or involving people from your Asian country, do let me know. I am interested to find out. And you know what I'm really interested in this year, Ruben? Yeah. Recently, I watched a bunch of documentaries on Netflix And I don't really know about a lot of cults in South Asia or like Southeast Asian region. There's a lot of coverage on cults in the North Asian region, you know? So yeah, like cults specifically. I want to find out more about cults. I want to do like a whole season on cults, like a whole month on cults. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So like Japan, like China. I don't don't really know much about cults in South or Southeast Asia, but I want to. I think there's some religious, there were some religious cults in Singapore. Really? I thought we don't really let cults fly here. Well, yeah, so then they would have been cracked down on. But I'm sure there were. I remember there was some case. Or it could have been, it was quite complicated. I think somebody, like Straits Times or somebody accused someone of being a cult and they sued Straits Times. (laughs) And so then the case was about whether they are a cult or not. Oh my god, yeah, maybe we we should do like... A seasonal month on cult. So like the first episode will be like a a bonus episode which basically defines what's a cult and then we go through like a bunch of like different cults and decide whether or not they're really a cult. Mm. And so I think the only one we have covered was like the Burari killings. Do you remember the one about the the family who thought that they were like a they would kill themselves and ascend? Yeah. Yeah. So so that was kind of a cult. 
a South Asian cult. But aside from that, I realize we either keep it on the down low or maybe I'm just like fully unaware of the cults around. But recently, I've been thinking about that a lot because there's a lot of cult documentaries on Netflix and they just cover North Asian cults. No, no South or Southeast Asian cults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you do know anything about any cults in this, maybe we can do like March or April as like <laughs> cult month. Oh, but I'll be out for the entirety of May, so maybe we can pre-record for May for cult months. If you are also an expert or know any experts on cults in Singapore, I would like to speak with them, please. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we will. Maybe maybe this is the year I start interviewing experts in their fields, because as we've discussed, unqualified. So... Do reach out at a briefcase podcast on Instagram and remember to join us next week for another briefcase. <laughs>